Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode and new season of Are You a Fan? If you like this episode or any of our previous ones, give us a like, share, follow, and uh, I guess welcome back from our non-short break. <laughs> yeah, not like almost non-existent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we took one in December. That counts. Or November. That was December. Okay. That was all of December. Okay, let's get into this. Uh, I don't really have a question for this week. Uh, what you got for me, Joker? Anything? Got yeah, one. So, if you could be given the chance to rule a planet, would you take it? I mean, I feel like okay. If I could just be an, if I could like just set up a council, and I'm just the figurehead leader who sometimes kills certain council members, well, then for- you wouldn't be a leader. You would be ruling the, the the world. They don't need to know that. And like, let me rule in the sense like a king. So you want to be a puppet leader, essentially? I'd be down with that. <laughs> like, basically, an old king where I'm like the council handles most of it. I just declare things, and they have to figure out the finances behind the things I declare. So essentially, you want the 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 title, but you don't want any of the responsibility. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Taking the cheating way out of that. Okay. Makes yeah. sense. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm not going to pretend to be something So the I'm answer not. would be no. Yeah. I am not smart <laughs> enough to run an empire. And that I would need a council. And I'm like, just tell me who to swing this sword at. <laughs> so again, answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> at that point, you might as well just be a, a soldier. I mean, but they don't get as nice of quarters. Depends on where you, what level you're at. Yeah, and the highest level is the king. <laughs> He fights. That counts as a soldier, right? Not usually, because usually the kings don't fight. I mean, in fantasy, which is what we're going to be talking about. Even in fantasy, half the time the kings don't fight. Yeah, Baratheon did. (laughs) Um, What about you? My answer would also be no. Different reason, because I, as a manager as it is in the normal world, hell no. They drive me to want to drink as it is. I wouldn't want a whole planet. Yeah. Why every king in history has like a council in the king's hand. It's like, I don't want to deal with this. Yeah, but their councils usually counsel them on what to do or how to do stuff. But they I'm, still have the full power to say yes or no. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, hey, you've been no, still. You didn't want any of the power. Nah, I want <laughs> You wanted the title. I want the title. That's 100% what I want. So this week's character, we're. Uh, so that brings. Uh, all right, so that brings us into this week's character, Bo Katan Kreez. Am I saying that right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Finally. <laughs> All right, home. Uh, let's get into this. Home planet Mandalore. Yeah, because weirdly, they also didn't have a birth year, like a year that she was born in. Like, there's no info on her birth, huh. or like almost any of her childhood. I mean, given the character right now, I could see that. Well, as much as they've delved in and expanded her, I'm surprised they don't have something. I guess that's a little shocking as much as they have, like, kind of expanded on her. But got to keep some mystery, I suppose. I don't know why. <laughs> okay, let's get into early life. So, bo was born into the House Crees and was the sister of Satine Crees. They also had a nephew, Corky Crees. Did I say that right? Yeah. Corky. <laughs> Wonder if he was a do, little weird. Do you not remember him from the Clone Wars? I did not. I completely forgot about him. 
Um, but yeah, the nephew uh, who they were close—they uh, were apparently close to the nephew, which I'm starting. I think I remember the character now. <laughs> it's the one that everybody has the fan theory of. that's uh, Obi Wan and Satine's kid. Oh yeah, okay. Or it's I... the quote unquote nephew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> right. So, unlike her sister Satine, who became the Duchess of Mandalore and was a pacifist, Bo-Katan would believe in embracing the violent ways of their heritage and would join a radical terrorist group who wanted to revive those warring ways. Because, you know, you always have to have the black sheep of the family, I guess. Right? Which, I mean, I feel like on Mandalore, um, Satine's more would be considered the black sheep at that point. Not at that point. Really? Like, the majority of them went peaceful? Like, at the well, get- most of the planet was peaceful. Oh. Huh. I thought that was, like, kind of a new thing she was specifically implementing. She was helping it, but the fact that majority of the planet took it kind of shows that most of the planet and most of the uh, Mandalorians were kind of move- trying to move on from their ways of war and desolation. Because they also, you know, Civil War kind of trashed their planet. They lived in domes because of it. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, war will do that. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of them kind of, Satina was definitely a little more normal compared to the rest of the Mandalorians at the time. Okay. So, well, a, uh, while a member of the Death Watch, she would serve as the lieutenant to the leader, Pre Vizsla. Oh, that guy. Yeah. So. She, while being the lieutenant, she would also lead a group of elite warriors that she called the Night Owls. Oh. Also had some awesome looking armor. I was going to say, I do love the armor design of the Night Owls. All right, so let's get into uh, the Clone Wars. In 20 BBY, uh, Death Watch was contacted by Lux Benteri, the son of late Senator Mina Bonteri, who was betrayed and murdered by Count Dooku. I remember that. Yeah, Grant, most of her story is all stuff that you could see in the various media, but still fun to to go yeah. over and talk with. But yeah, she had some some fun scenes in in the early seasons. Right? She was definitely a I I do lo- I do love the whole concept when she brings up in um the Mandalorian's like, oh a Zealot. It's like you used to be part of that. Hers not necessarily zealot, but uh, definitely not great either. Yeah, it's one of those, like, <laughs> I know she wasn't much of a zealot, but, like, her leader was kind of crazy. Crazy, yes. <laughs> definitely one of those, like, Mandalore will rise again with fire. And we're like, are we following this guy? <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, clearly. It, it, did work. it did go far. So Lux, knowing the Death Watch, who had also been betrayed by the Count and was looking for information, wanted to unite together. Bo-Katan would meet Lux and an undercover Ahsoka Tano and escort them to their camp. God, yep. I do remember that scene. And uh, honestly, she was always a take charge, solid character. Oh, yeah. So during Lux and Ahsoka's escape, uh, Bo-Katan would chase after them and be bested in a fight against Ahsoka. Which is one of those, like... Because, you know, they some stuff happened in the camp. Ahsoka kind of outed herself. And they had to run. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, they're, that is the one thing across the board. Mandalorians have never really been 
fond of the Jedi in any capacity. Also, because they literally used to fight wars against them? Yeah. Yeah. So, and also this group just got betrayed by a lightsaber wielder. Right. So, yeah, probably not too thrilled to see another one. In 19 BBY, after establishing a new base on the moon Zanbar, they would locate an escape pod drifting in space. After investigating said pod, they would find two unconscious Zabrax and lightsabers. This would end up being Maul and his brother Savage Opress. Uh, Bo-Katan would ask if she should kill them, but Vizsla would have them taken to their ship instead. Because you know he's got other ideas for them. Yep. Messing with <laughs> messing with some powers he doesn't fully quite comprehend, I feel. And honestly, I think she was right. Could have saved a lot of problems in the future. So many problems. I do a Zenzibar. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. But yeah, okay. So uh, later after Maul woke up, uh, uh, Vizsla and Bogotan would question the two and learn they want revenge against Kenobi. The same Jedi responsible for Death Watch's exile from Mandalore. Because, you know, just about everything in Star Wars media revolves around, like, six people from the from the various sequels or the z- various uh, trilogies. Yeah. Because it, it all ties back to certain people in the prequels, all ties into certain people in the original. That's kind of, yeah. Uh, ju- the whole Star Wars series is just a family destroying the balance of the universe. Literally is. Yeah. It's like, we fixed it. It's like, you guys caused this. Like Again. Again. It's like, yeah, but we fixed it. Yeah, that doesn't make up for all the death. It's amazing that they never had, like, just completely got wiped out by the galaxy. Right? Like, we are tired of your family's drama. You're all dying. So Maul would heal and uh, later uh, meet with Vizsla again. They would plan to punish Kenobi and reclaim Mandalore. However, remembering how the last alliance with the Sith ended, Bo-Katan obviously and smartly would uh, warn Vizsla. Uh, She would then be force-choked by Maul after making the claim the Sith were no better than the Jedi. Which, in the Mandalorian mindset, not really wrong. No, no, in the Mandalorian... One force-wielders, bad another. Yeah, yeah, no, in the Mandalorian mindset, not wrong, but definitely one of those, like, maybe don't say that to their face. Yeah, not the brightest. Right. Okay, so the first step would see Vizsla and and Bo-Katan following the Sith brothers to various planets to build a Shadow Collective, a group of allied criminal syndicates that included the Pikes and Black Sun. Which I do do love when that does happen in the show. Immediately, Bo-Katan is not on board. Oh, yeah, no. She was like the first one. Like, this is not a great idea. Right. Mostly, I get it. I get every complaint she had and that, especially like, like is the one Vizsla's like, Oh, well, like we'll be in control. It's like, these are not people of honor, man. Like they're they, not like us. They are actual criminals. Yeah. Like these people are just terrorists. Yeah. These people <laughs> will stab us in the back the second they get a chance. And the only reason they're not right now is because they just watched a Sith, a possible Sith chop off all their friends heads. We don't have that same kind of pool. Right. We don't have little, like, floaty abilities to make lightsabers cut off heads. And he was just like, you know what? I don't think you know what you're talking about. I'm the leader. Okay. 
Well, as we're about to learn, there's a reason he had his thought process behind this. True. So they would also unsuccessfully try to add the huts on Nalhutta to the collective, where Bokutan and her night owls and hut soldiers would end up fighting. Um, they would then travel to Tatooine to visit Jabba's palace and force Jabba and the rest of the huts to join. So they failed in the home planet of the huts, but then they went and um, kind of forced the rest of them yeah. into submission. Um, so after this, though, Vizsla would reveal to Bo-Katan that he had intended to betray the Sith when they retook Mandalore. So that's probably where he didn't mind the criminals, you know, because he's going to backstab too. Yeah. He, he's, he was no better than the rest of them. Which explains 100% why, like, he was going along with Asia yep. and saw no problem. Because he was, yeah, you're right, he's just as bad as the others. She's the one who's like, this is not. This is not the way to do it. Yeah, this is not what we're about. Also, did not know that they uh, got pushed back on the Hut homeworld. Yep. I, oh, holy. Which makes sense. Huts are not slouches. Because they also really didn't want to join to begin with because they got their own control. Like, they control a good chunk of the galaxy themselves. Yeah, like, they're arguably, like, on the level of Empire power. I'll say, when the fact that the other cartels are, you know, criminal organizations, they're controlling galaxies or controlling systems openly against the Republic, against the Empire. Yeah. Like, they are a powerhouse. Yeah, like, even the Pikes still keep their stuff, like, on the low. Like, oh, we're smuggling. The Huts are like, nah, nah, we shipping. Yep. <laughs> and do something about it, Jedi. And the Jedi are like, no, nah, we don't want any of that. Nope. Probably smart. Right. So, on Mandalore, Bo-Katan and her Night Owls would take place in the battle between the Shadow Collective, who attacked the capital city, and Death Watch. And that was quote-unquote battle yeah because anybody who's listened up till now or seen the show know that it was very clearly just a stage it was a hundred yeah it was basically they were making themselves out to be the heroes it was a whole song and dance the whole point behind maul and his collectives okay you guys get to attack be the bad guys we're gonna come rescue the the planet which had he done it right he should have just straight up killed maul in that moment Oh, yeah, if he was smart about that far, but... Right. They're like, we're going to lock up this mystic, this space wizard. I'm like, I'm sorry, you're going to lock up the space wizard, and you are you expected no consequences? Though at the same time, knowing that Savage was still alive at the time, I don't think that would have worked out well either. I think Savage would have gone crazy? Oh, yeah. Ah, uh, true. And that guy was a powerhouse, too. Like, that guy was a yeah. beast. Yeah, I think he would have... Probably died in the process, but I'm pretty sure Vizsla would have died very quickly after killing them all. True. <laughs> no, I, I can agree with that. As Bo-Katan's just watching this all go go down. Bo-Katan. Oh, man, I am messing this character's name up. I apologize, fandom. <laughs> if we want more views, the best way to get views is to anger the fandoms, I've heard. <laughs> Let's not anger the Star Wars group, though. <laughs> So after they took the planet, Vizsla would betray Maul and imprison the brothers, which obviously wouldn't last long because they'd break free and Maul would challenge Vizsla to a duel for control of Mandalore. And being the honor-bound way the Mandalorians are, per tradition, Vizsla would accept the challenge. Because Maul would get the idea from uh, Prime Minister Almac, who was 
also in prison at the time. <laughs> I was like, you know, he's bound by cha- by honor. He's going to do this if you challenge him. Because yeah. he's not going to want to look weak to the rest of his people. Well, and if I remember correctly, like, because the question was, would he even accept the challenge because of that? And I think it came down to, it's like, no, it's not up to him. His men watching him decline a challenge will lose him the title. Oh, yeah. And that's so, like, because I remember like he, he has even, to do it. Yeah, because I even remember in that, that episode, he kind of tries to push the challenge away. Like, you're already beat. Why would I accept that? And his own men were like, oh, no, no, no. Challenge has been made. Yep. Are you our leader or not? And that's when he's like, when he goes out there cocky, like, like okay, I guess I'll kill this guy. <laughs> did not, did not end well. Yeah, no. So the duel would uh, be won by Maul, who would decapitate Vizsla and declare himself the new leader of Death Watch. Bo-Katan would refuse to accept the, uh, his rule, saying no outsider would ever rule Mandalore. The Night Owls would flee with Bogaton after a fight broke out with the warriors loyal to Maul. I find, because I've discovered more about the Star Wars universe in recent years, I find, I find her being like, no, non, like, non-native. I'm like, I'm like, lady, you guys were not the first Mandalorians. No, and they're not, but a lot of the previous stuff is legends, and in canon they are... All look, they, they're essentially a normal race, not a creed like they were in Legends that necessarily. Always, man, that's one thing I can't say is the Legends versus the canon. It throws me off so much because I'm like, I don't know what's what. Yeah, because technically, no, he would be Mandalorian at that point or could be. Yeah, but yeah, no, to the, the current canon, he's yeah, no. Ah, uh, <laughs> okay, that makes that makes more sense. So I'm, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, ah. I keep getting confused with Legends versus Canon at this point. <laughs> I mean, heck, with Legends, uh, Django Fett's not technically a Mandalorian because he was born on a different planet. Oh, yeah. Because he's from Concordia, I think. I don't remember, but his whole Legend story is vastly different and made him one. But in, in Canon, not really, because he's not from Mandalore. Yeah. But at the same time, now it seems like they're trying to bring back that whole, it's a creed, not a... Yeah, they're slowly pushing that back. Which, which I like. Amazing. I love, like, yeah. I loved that concept. So, Bo-Katan and the other Mandalorian rebels, with the help of her nephew, would rescue Satine from the royal prison and escape the city. Outside the city dome, where they finally got uh, the ability to send out a transmission, Satine would get a message out to Kenobi asking for help as she was right before she was captured and the Mandalorian's uh, rebels had to retreat. Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. <laughs> Pretty much. I feel yeah. like that was probably the entire thought process behind them when they made that scene. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt it. Okay, so Bo-Katan would watch Kenobi with interest when he would later arrive in the city. He would attempt to rescue Satine, but would fail and be taken, by, uh, taken to Maul. In an attempt to break the Jedi, Maul would kill Satine in front of Kenobi. This would also devastate Bo-Katan, who would then, with the rebels, help rescue Kenobi when he was being escorted to prison. Enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yep. God, that is still such a a painful scene to watch. That's a rough scene. 
Spent like a rough scene. Also rough when you find out that they're siblings. Right. Because yeah. Cause Obi-Wan's like, why did you save me? And she just straight up tells him like, that was my sister, man. Well, no, it wasn't even that. He figured it out at the oh. end. Right before he left. Oh, I forgot. He did figure, he figured it out. Yep. Which honestly just made it just as bad. Oh yeah. That, that definitely did not help it at all. So, after the rescue, Bo-Katan would tell Kenobi to tell the Republic and the Senate what had happened. Kenobi, though, would warn her that that could lead to a Republic invasion, but if it meant Maul's death and Mandalore's um, survival, she could live with that. Because, you know, in the end, when you're now having to avenge one of your planet, but also your sister who just got murdered in front of your face, you know, all, all, all bets are off. Oh, 100%. Like, I, like, I don't care. I want this. I want this guy dead. It's like, I'll work with my greatest enemy. Clearly, I just rescued you. Yeah, she is in endgame mode. She is just like bloodlust, and she wants Maul's head. And she knew she couldn't do it without the Republic's help. Oh, 100%. They did not, not have enough people. Not with the power that Maul had at that point. Especially with basically the control of Mandalore and all the underground organizations. Yeah. She's not. Who is she turning to at that point, too? Because, yeah. The crime lords are under the control. They have no way to trade with. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that was their her only real move. Good honor, though, for swallowing her pride. Not a lot of Mandalorians can do that. So, in the aftermath of the Civil War, Bo-Katan and her rebels would continue operating and keep tracking Maul. Bo-Katan and two of the, her owls would go to Obadiah, to obtain codes from the pikes to verify Maul's movement. While there, they would notice the presence of former Jedi Ahsoka Tano. After Tano's escape from the pikes, Bo-Katan would follow her to the uh, follow her to Coruscant. Which, hmm, I think I re- yeah, I remember when that happened. They just happened to be on the same planet and just happened to keep an eye on her. The Force. <laughs> so, on Coruscant level 1313, which was a callback to a canceled video game. That Wait, was supposed really? to fo- yeah, it was supposed to follow Boba Fett. It was called 1313. Oh! So, on level 1313, Bo-Katan would approach Tano, telling her that they now had a common enemy. After she agreed to help, Tano and the three Mandalorians would head back to Mandalore. Bo-Katan would explain Maul's takeover of the planet, and then Bo-Katan and Tano would contact the Jedi's Kenobi and Skywalker to, re- to request help of the Republic in a siege of Mandalore. Because hmm. she is real desperate. She continues to contact them, like, come on, guys, I need the help. Attack us. <laughs> yeah, and uh, honestly, Ahsoka was probably her best shot. Oh, yeah. But she also knew that at least a Jedi is better than none, I guess. Yeah, true, so, you know, if she couldn't convince them to bring the Armada, at least they'd have her. They'd at least have one person that could be on more equal grounds with the Sith. Which, oh, man, for those of you who haven't checked out the last season of Clone Wars, that fight between Ahsoka and Maul, mwah. Especially when you learn about the back uh, background of the making of that scene. Oh, that too. With Ray Park doing the actual movement. God, that was amazing. Yeah, okay. we're just fanboying a little bit here, <laughs> right? Okay, so after Kenobi, uh, so after Kenobi would explain to her that an invasion of the planet by the Republic 
would break treaties and plunge them into another war and he would take our and he would talk to the council uh Bo-Katan would angrily state her uh state her people had already suffered enough under Maul and there wasn't time to talk to the council she in her anger would even ask Kenobi if he even still loved her sister Satine, which, you know, bibble low blow, I feel. Just a lot. <laughs> to which he would reply, yes, and still walk away. I mean, it's one of those, like, I feel like that's a Karen at the store move. Oh, it was. Like, I remember the time I was at Petco, a lady comes in asking for a medication for a dog. And I'm like, ma'am, this is a Petco, not a PetSmart. We don't have a pharmacy here. And she's like, cool. Now my dog's going to die. And I'm like, Okay. I deal I, with that. People coming in the hotel all the time. Yeah. It's super cold. Not my problem. Right. And I walk here. I, I know how cold it is. Get over it. I just feel like that was energy. Like, like, like I thought you love my sisters. Like I don't control this army. I have to answer to hire. If I take a ship, they're just going to stop me. I mean, they didn't the first time. Yeah, true. <laughs> but he did get that ship under suspicious means meaning anakin gave it to him and was like yeah, yeah i got a ship you can borrow <laughs> right it's seen better days but yeah you can borrow it yeah he's like he's like where'd you get this ship and he's just like don't ask questions mm-hmm. well that was their kind of quote-unquote undercover ship that they constantly used oh is that what that was yeah okay i'm sorry i just feel like anakin could he was, oh he, he would i feel like i'm not he saying would. he wouldn't that's probably how he got in the first place yeah because i just feel like he's that guy in the jedi order where it's like hey uh like i don't need you to ask questions I mean, come on by. he's the guy that yoda went straight to to help him escape the council yeah <laughs> like why would you ask me it's like you've done this a lot so i know you can do it <laughs> yep help me so uh, bo-katan would state to tano that they were wasting their time talking to the jedi before leaving the room however her wish for an invasion force would be partially fulfilled as tano and a newly promoted commander rex would lead a division of clone troopers to join the mandalorian rebels so they still got a, a little bit. They got a division of clones. I mean, it's still a fairly large number. That That's a solid number. And honestly, like, I get also the council just being like, we can't afford to Well, waste. we got to remember that at that time, that was the beginning of uh, episode three where the capital got attacked. Oh, yeah. If it wasn't for Coruscant being attacked, they might have sent that ship. Yeah. I mean, because one Venator Star Destroyer, it carried a decent amount of troops and supplies. Oh, yeah. And with the way Mandalorian or Mandalore was, like, kind of being held, I think it only really required one. Well, it did only require one ship and then the Rebels. Yeah, and it wasn't even a full ship. Yeah. It was literally only a small portion of that ship. Dang. Okay, so Bo-Katan and Tano would lead their forces in an attack on the capital. Tano would go on a search for Maul while Bo-Katan and her warriors would fight to the throne room. There they would capture the puppet leader, Almac. In the throne room, she would listen to a conversation between Kenobi and Tano talking about the Sith Lord Sidious who had orchestrated the whole war. Oh yeah, because once things start to come out... Yeah, it was as stuff through the season, that season very slowly started to expand. I know a lot of people know who who's kind of made the whole war, but 
We can't. We still can't stop it because we don't know who it is. Yeah, they know. Uh, they they know there is a puppet master to both sides. They just don't know who the puppet master is. Yep. Oh man, I do. Lo- I do love watching the show and just seeing all the stuff that's leading up. Right. <laughs> so as Maul and his super commandos would be taken into custody, Kreese congratulated Tano on capturing Maul. Tano would tell her that uh, she learned from the best, including her. Uh, Kreese would then stiffen, saying that she uh, wished she was good at something besides waging war. Which, you know, after that much time and plunging your plan into another civil war twice, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. I mean, you know, warriors got to exist, though, in a consistently unstable <laughs> universe. Right. I do feel it is one of those when you meet a peaceful race in the Star Wars universe and they're like, oh, we're a peaceful race that doesn't believe in violence. It's like, are you guys stupid? Have you guys not looked around? Like, boo, man, people be fun. People be invading left and right every planet. You, like, I'm not saying you guys need to be conquerors, but like, learn how to shoot a gun. Yeah, we see that usually ends up happening throughout the Clone Wars series. Yeah, that, they do meet some of those ra- races where they're like, I guess we have to learn to defend ourselves. It's like, oh, such a horrible thing. Right. We're like, we don't, we're not trying to turn you into conquerors. We just need you to be able to swing a bat or something. We can't protect everyone. Yeah. But uh, Tana would continue saying that Mandalore could use a new kind of leader, but Kreese again responded and stated that her sister had been that leader. Which she really was for the yeah. way they wanted Mandalore to go. Like even though she didn't agree with it at the time, by the end of that last season, she might have agreed with her sister on that. I think in the end, she saw because of everything that happened, she saw what what her sister was actually fighting for. Yep. She realized like, oh, she wanted a better future for us. Yep. And she tried. She did. Man, that's sad. Sad. This is a sad episode, I feel like. Okay. Kind of a weird one to be a sad one. Right? Okay, so uh, Bo-Katan would help transfer Maul over to Tano after imprisoning him in a Mandalorian vault, a capsule that was designed to imprison Jedi. Tano was impressed by the vault, which cries, uh, Kriz? Kreeze. Described as an ancient relic that was used in a time when they needed to imprison force-wielding maniacs. You know, back in the time when they ex- almost exclusively fought force-wielders. Yeah. And honestly, they're some of the best at it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, there were a bunch of their weapons... Their armor, like, it was all designed to fight the, the Jedi and Sith. It's one of those, them wh- whipping out that coffin, and then, I get it's a relic, but it's honestly not shocking that they kept some around. <laughs> I think they even said that was the last one, and I don't even think that was intended to be kept around either. It just happened to still be there. Huh. From what I remember of the scene in the conversation. <laughs> it's the last one, it's like... I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> right. I wouldn't. I w- I'm like, I'm like, you Mandalorians, like, you're pretty known for hunting, like, fighting us. I, I doubt that's the only one you kept. Right. So, into the Age of the Empire. After Maul's capture, Bo-Katan would be named Regent of Mandalore by the Jedi before uh, Tana would depart. It wouldn't be long after that, though, that the Order 66 would occur and begin the Republic's reformation into the Empire. Oh, man, just like no rest for the weary. 
really wasn't, especially at that time period. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into it. Okay, so the Empire would use the troops left on Mandalore to begin an occupation of the planet. This would cause another wave of violence as the proud warriors would refuse the Empire's rule. Bo-Katan would be, uh, would be betrayed by Clan Saxon, who also supported Maul's rule. Uh, Gar Saxon would replace Bo-Katan as governor of Mandalore. Huh. Yeah, that, uh, that did not end. Wow, that was a quick rule. It really was. And I think they kind of joke about that at a certain point, too. (laughs) I mean, man, that's terrible. Like, they didn't even try. I mean, in a way, Kenobi wasn't wrong. He warned what could happen if they invaded. (laughs) He did. He did. We just weren't expecting quite what happened. I also did. I never thought about the fact that Order 66 also probably, yeah, there were probably some immediate battles that happened on planets. Oh, yeah. Where it wasn't even Jedi based. Yep. Because the Order was also just like, hey, implement implement rule. Yep. Like, take over now. And they were like, okay. Because of the chips. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So around 1 BBY, Bogotan would meet uh, Countess Ursa Wren, who killed Gar Saxon, and her daughter Sabine Wren, who were seeking a Mandalorian worthy of wielding the Darksaber and claiming the title of Mandalore. So yeah, at that point, a lot of stuff has happened, a lot of fighting between, or a lot more infighting and civil war happening with Mandalorians. The ones that support the Empire, the ones that clearly don't, that honestly were the right ones. Yeah. <laughs> And the Mandalorians are a rough group. I mean, when your society is built, the society and creed is built on fighting. I feel like the peace times are not ever really. They don't really happen. Yeah, <laughs> they don't. And when they do, it's very short lived. Very short lived. <laughs> so after exchanging greetings, Sabine offered the dark saber to Bogaton, who turned it down because she believed that she had failed as regent. Bogaton later joined Sabine's clan, uh, Renforce, and allies from the Spectrus rebel cell in rescuing Sabine's father, Elric Ren. From an Imperial convoy. Okay, so she's forming allies. That's good. And, she, and, and where she's like, I failed as a region. It's like, did you really get a chance, though? Yeah. To, to say yes or no to that? I mean, I Because fi- you kind of got booted out real quick. Yeah, I, I feel like... Yeah, no, we didn't even get to see you be a region. You were like... How were you supposed to succeed in that situation? Like, I think within the day, the order came through and they were she was replaced. I was like, do you really have a chance to say you failed? Right? That'd be like if somebody just put a crown on my head and then somebody else just came up and kneecapped me with a baseball bat. I can't really say I failed as a king. I didn't even get to be king. Which is ironic since there were those kind of kings out there in history. Yeah. Just straight up like, like I'm king. I'm going to implement things, but tonight we party and somebody poisons me. I didn't even get to be a king to like you know, validate. So, yeah, I feel like I'm a, it's one of those like, come on, give yourself a little more credit. They killed the Jedi Empire. Let's not pretend like you had a chance. Right. <laughs> So despite the success of the raid um, to get her father, the 
Uh, their victory was overshadowed by news that Ursa Ren's forces had been wiped out by an arc pulse generator. Um, this arc pulse generator, nicknamed the Duchess, was capable of reacting with the Beskar alloy inside the Mandalorian armor, incinerating the wares and leaving only charred armor behind. Mm, I remember that. Also, derail move. Richard, move. The Duchess. Well, as we kind of learn in the next paragraph, there's probably a reason behind that name. Okay. So when Bo-Katan uh, learned that Sabine had created the Duchess, she was enraged and chastised the younger woman for creating a weapon that would target Mandalorian armor, which she considered an abomination that only a coward would make. When Sabine explained that she had constructed the Duchess as a young and idealistic imperial cadet, Bo-Katan reluctantly accepted her explanation. Yeah, so knowing that Sabine is the one that created it, her mother was a duchess. Oh, I was thinking duchess. You know. Yeah, okay. No, she she basically named the the weapon to kill her people after her mom. Okay. I well, was th- Actually, she may not have named it, but whoever did probably did it for that reason. I was thinking uh, I, was, I was thinking Bogatan's sister cuz they all call her duchess. Oh, it's because she was. Yeah, that's what, that's more. I thought it was an insult to the. No, I'm pretty sure it was the, because it was their title. Uh, okay, that makes more sense. Less less Richard move. I'm still a Richard move because you're building a weapon to literally kill your own people. That okay, fair. That is a that is still a Richard move. If anything, that's worse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you took one of the most effective armors in the galaxy and made it useless. Yep. You actually, not useless, you made it a hindrance. You made it a magnet. <laughs> so I get Bo-Katan's, like, anger. So after leading, uh, landing at her camp, Bo-Katan backed Sabine when she offered to atone for her role in creating the Duchess by helping to destroy it. Which is the right way to go. Fair. Uh, the Mandalorians and the Rebels would come uh, come up with a plan to infiltrate Governor Tiber, Governor Tiber Saxon Star Destroyer. While one team would destroy the weapon, the other would uh, delete its records from the Imperial database. You know, obviously, because you don't want another one to be made immediately after. Yeah, it's kind of probably... I always wonder that. I, I like That's one thing I always wonder in certain shows or cartoons when they don't show them going to delete the stuff. And that's one of those, like, we destroyed the weapon. It's like, man, they're just going to build another one. Right? <laughs> like, all you did was delay it. Yeah. Unless right. you're going to kill them all. Right? We're not fighting a super villain in a Saturday morning cartoon here, ironically. <laughs> but, because, yeah, I always love how super villains, like, that one, the weapon fails one time because of something the hero did that could never work in a million years. And they're like, we got to scrap that whole project. Yeah. That, like, no, in the Star Wars verse, if it works a few times, they're like, okay, they managed to beat it this one way, one in a billion shot. Let's keep making it. To a point where we all kind of have become sick of Palpatine. (laughs) Okay, so after uh, destroying the Star Destroyer and the weapon, and upon returning to her camp, Sabine uh, Sabine uh, told Bo-Katan that she had proven herself a leader while uh, Kreez was unservant. Sabine and her mother reassured her that there were people willing to follow her. The, the Wrens were joined by representatives from other clans, including Vizsla, Rook, Eldar, and Finn Rao. 
the last surviving Mandalorian protector. There you go. There we are. <laughs> yeah, it was just proven proves that they had she had people that were willing to follow her, and clearly she didn't completely botch the very short term of her first rule. I mean, yeah, no, no. I mean, she had followers, and she's also I feel as though she, time and time again she's proven herself a very capable warrior and leader. Which the, just proving yourself as a capable warrior in this race and this clan. And the creed, like, it's, it's going to prove that you're the leader they want. Exactly. If you're a strong warrior, that's what they look for. Exactly. With the approval of the people, Bo-Katan would take the Darksaber and the mantle of leader, rallying the support of Clan Ren's forces and her own Night Owls. However, the Children of the Watch, a rogue sect of Mandalorians based on Concordia, would reject Bo-Katan's claim to the throne. Because, of course, you always have to have the one group. Right. Um, but they belie- believed that she was acting solely on her blood and the weapons she had not earned, as they believed the Darksaber needed to be won in combat. Which kind of leads into much uh, certain other things later on. Which, yeah, and every... There's always that one stickler. Okay, so sometime after this happens, the Empire would launch a purge of Mandalore, killing most Mandalorians, and Bo-Katan would lose the Darksaber to ISB officer Gideon. Yeah, now we're getting... Okay, we're getting into the Rebellion area (laughs) timeline or time frame. This is past that, but... (laughs) This is past that? All of, everything we've been talking oh. about has been during the Empire and during the Rebellion. Oh, okay. Okay. We're getting to the end of that. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is towards the end after kind of the Empire has fallen. Ah, okay, yep. Because now we're into after the Empire. Let's kick it off. We're around 9 ABY. Uh, she would meet and rescue the Mandalorian bounty hunter Din Djarin and his foundling. A little cute little thing. <laughs> uh uh, Jaren would tell them uh, that he was hoping to find a Mandalorian covert and return the child to the Jedi. However, as the three Mandalorians would take off their helmets, Jaren would angrily dismiss them after realizing they did not follow the way of the Mandalore. Because, you know, zealots. Yep. Uh, Bo-Katan told him that her armor had passed down for three generations and that she had been born on Mandalore and had fought in the Great Purge. Because, I mean, you can't really get much more Mandalorian than being born there. <laughs> right. Oh God, that's gotta be just annoying to deal with on their on their side of things. Just meeting these random people who are a little too zealoty to where they're like, they're like, you take off your helmets. You're not a true Mandalorian. It's like, okay, first off, young young man, let me tell you my history. I mean, like even in the show, like ah, you're one of those. Yeah, which I love. <laughs> I love that statement. So to Jaren's astonishment, Bogotan revealed that he was one of the children of the Watch, a cult of religious Mandalorian zealots that broke away from Mandalorian society to pursue the reestablishment of the ancient way of Mandalore. Not believing her to be true Mandalorian, uh, Jaren left and returned to the port. Yeah, then you, you got like the Death Watch that were wanting to rebuild the ancient ways. Then you got the ones that are even more zealoty, like the children of the watch. Yeah. That even make Death Watch look kind of tame. They which honestly is really kinda, sad to think about. That yeah, that's a real messed up statement to think about because Death Watch was already pretty insane. 
mean, come on, they were a literal terrorist organization. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're adding religious zealots, zealots into the mix. In a little, yeah. Very, yeah. No, not yeah. dealing with that. <laughs> so inside of a local inn, um, Bo-Katan would convince Jaren to aid them on their mission to steal weapon shipments from an Imperial cruiser that belonged to, at the time, Moff Gideon's Imperial Remnant. In exchange, Bo-Katan promised to give Jaren information about the location of a Jedi. Okay. Well, I remember that, yeah, because he was trying to find find a little find a little teacher for his little green <laughs> dude. Okay, so Bo-Katan and the others infiltrated the ship, with the Night Owls making short work of the stormtroopers. Bo-Katan led them into the cargo hold and secured the weapon shipment. However, Bo-Katan's, uh, com- uh, Bo-Katan communicated with the Imperial officer on the bridge, stating that they were coming up to hijack the ship. When Jaren complained about Bo-Katan changing their deal, Bo-Katan taunted him by uttering the mantra, this is the way, telling him that he, if he wanted her information about the Jedi, he would help her take the ship. I get his irritation. And this is some uh, Darth Vader, pray I don't uh, alter it any further. Exactly. Which, ironically, was a scene with another Mandalorian. Because <laughs> I was with Boba. Yes! <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. But yeah, that's a kind of a not a great move. Yeah, no, but at the same time, what'd you expect? <sighs> better. Be I better, would, Bo-Katan. I would have. I'm sorry, I love the Mandalorians, but I wouldn't expect better of them. True. True. I'd say Jarn's probably the most honorable one that we've seen. Yeah. I don't know, Bukatan's pretty up there. To be to be completely honest and fair for her, she is pretty honorable for She's definitely her, for her arguably up there as far as honor. Definitely better than the people she used to work with. Oh yeah. Okay. So after capturing the ship, Bo-Katan would interrogate the captain about the location of the Darksaber. The captain would just sneer at her, saying that if she was asking, then she already knew, uh, before committing suicide through the use of a suicide shocker. You know, gotta love those uh, suicide teeth. Right. Uh, Kreese was angry that she could not interrogate him further, but was more pleased with the success of their mission. Who wouldn't be when you get a whole transport full of weapons and supplies? Oh, Completely. Uh, she would offer uh, Jaren a place among them despite their differences in their creeds, but Jaren would decline, you know, for obvious reasons. Yep. Uh, with Bo-Katan telling him that uh, her offer stood if he ever changed his mind. You know, but when you got a little little one to follow, to, you know, take away, Yeah. I, I wouldn't be following her either. <laughs> no, that's a little that's a little risky at that <laughs> point. You got your single father traveling the galaxy on a gig job. You got to take care of your own. Yeah. Can't be running off to join some club. <laughs> so keeping her word, she told the bounty hunter that he could find a Sokotano on the planet Corvus. As Jaren began to leave, Bogotan watched him go before turning her attention to the cockpit and her fellow Mandalorians. So yeah, she she honors her end of the deal. And she gets a nice shiny ship with a lot of weaponry and supplies. Heck yeah. Dang. Go for the win. <laughs> so after his adventure, uh, Jaren would later track down Bo-Katan to ask for her help in retrieving Grogu from Moff Gideon. Because of course he went and lost the kid. 
Uh, Jarn and his companion Boba Fett would approach Bo-Katan and Reeves to ask for their help. But Bo-Katan began to pick a fight with Fett. I don't blame her. Also wasn't the best person to try to pick a fight with. Yeah, no. But she would say that he was a disgrace to his armor because he was not a Mandalorian. Which I get it. Also, I get the hostility to that face. <laughs> it wasn't even the face, but she knew the voice, and I still wouldn't oh. blame her. Yeah, I 100% get it. And I feel like Fett deals with that a lot. He's got her after everything that went down in there. I don't know. As often as he's silent, I don't think he really does. That's probably actually why he's so <laughs> silent all the time. Right. He got sick of dealing with that. He's like, you know, I'm just going to not talk. We're going to be the silent protagonist. <laughs> right. Okay, so after Fett made threats, Bo-Katan would coldly state that she had heard his voice thousands of times since he was a clone. And after Fett uh, retorted, Reeves attacked him, Bo-Katan broke up their scuffle and decided to accept Jaren's request when she learned that Jaren knew the location of Gideon and his light cruiser. Yeah, that was a cool fight, too. That was an awesome fight to watch. Short one, but cool one. (laughs) Also, some major insults definitely went back and forth. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I remember I still, still wish we knew what half of them meant. But <laughs> Right? So she would make uh, Jaren promise, you know, when she goes on this mission with him, that she would take the Darksaber from Gideon, to which Jaren responded that his only priority was rescuing Grogu. That's literally all he cared about. Yeah, I mean, I get it, dude. That's his kid. Like, at this point, that's his kid. Pretty much was. Yeah. Uh, So later, piloting a captured shuttle towards the cruiser, Kreese hailed the ship to request an emergency landing as Fett piloted uh, Slave One, pretending to attack them. Bogotan's request was denied, but she nonetheless landed on the ship and stormed out with the others killing large amounts of Imperial forces before taking the bridge. However, they failed to discover Gideon there. Um, Bogotan waited on the bridge with the others until Jaren arrived with Gideon in his custody, which was also a pretty sick fight. Uh, so that whole episode was awesome. That was a solid episode. There's a bunch of badasses just running on a ship, just, they took that ship, man. Oh, God, yeah. I do, I will say, the fight scene when he's taking on the robots, though. Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was hilarious to me. So, realizing that Jaren had defeated Gideon in combat, Bo-Katan knew that the bounty hunter had unintentionally claimed the Darksaber as his own. As Gideon would then taunt Bo-Katan with that, Jaren would offer her the blade, but Bo, uh, Bo-Katan stiffly refused to take it in such a manner. Jaren attempted to yield, wishing to honor his previous agreement, not wanting to cause a fight. But Bo-Katan would continue to not accept. Because at that, at that point, a lot of it was she thought that she didn't earn it the last time, and that's why things went so poorly. She's like, nope, I got to do this right. I do find that whole situation slightly humorous in a way. I don't know if humorous is the right word, but... Just this, like, because I remember in that scene, they even show her, like, clench her weapon and that, like, she's about to fight. And he's just like, I don't want it. I do not want the heat. I take it. Take it from me. Take it, Gandalf. Take it. Unfortunately, that's not their way. Yeah, that's, uh, 
That's a raw that man. She just maybe she should not be trying to be leader at this point on luck alone. Well, I think at that point she wanted to fight Gideon more as a revenge thing since he beat her and took it the last time. Mm. I think it was more of that than even her trying to be a leader at that time. At that point, to be I, honest, I could see that. This is what it felt like. I do just feel though she just seems to have a lot of bad luck. Oh yeah, that unfortunately that whole uh, family does. True. So okay, so after being rescued from Gideon's dark troopers by Luke Skywalker and him taking Grogu, Gideon would be taken away to the New Republic, and Bo-Katan and her companions would be left in control of Gideon's cruiser, which would be left to Bo-Katan. Which solid, solid get, man. Right, because that wasn't even just one of the small crews, like. Granted, it wasn't a Star Destroyer, but it was up there in size and what it could do. Like, it was not a a small gain. Oh, yeah, because if I'm remembering, that's also one of the, those types of cruisers that you can kind of just park ships on. Yeah. Not like, a lot, not, but not, it had some. Yeah, like not big or a lot, but like... I mean, heck, it had that small hangar at the front. Exactly. And, yeah, no, she... I do enjoy the character, though. I think she, she earned it, and I'm excited to see what they do with her now. Oh, yeah, especially, you know, for someone who I don't think looking back at the Clone Wars was intended to be any, anybody big, she has definitely grown. I think a lot more than I than anybody really expected out of her. Oh, 100%. Like, when you first, the first few times you meet her, she is just a faceless side, back- like. She was a background character. Yeah, that back- was it. Background, left hand general. One of those characters where you're like, if you had to pick, you're like, that one. That one's going to die so we could see how badass the main character is. Which ironically went the other way around and it wasn't her. Yeah, exactly. So she survived the background treatment. And now we're here. And honestly, I guess I'll ask the question I ask every week You a fan, Joker? Definitely. And then maybe slightly biased because she's a Mandalorian. But, you know, she was still an awesome character. And I'm excited to see her in the next season of The Mandalorian. And I'll say I'm a fan, too. I love how the character's grown. Because at first, wasn't a big fan, but she, she'd grown on me. For anyone that's still listening, if you got something out of this, enjoyed the episode, or even liked the character before from a movie, comic, cartoon, hell, even that teacher that you saw one time. You're a fan too. You want to jump on this train? Why not subscribe and share with a friend? Dick Rail out. Y'all keep riding them rails.